Hey yo, hey yo, bubbly, bubbly, funky, funky. This is your boy, Mr. No Adelia, back again with another one for the Renegade Master D4 Damager. Back out to the people, back once again for the Renegade Master. If you don't know that song, you're 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 too young. But yeah, today I'm just gonna get straight into it. Um, I'm feeling funky today. Funky means like I'm feeling um esoteric what does esoteric mean uh, esoteric is like speaking about things that are supernatural or of the occult um spiritual type of shit so if you're not into all that stuff and you just uh if you're not into all that stuff you don't believe in none of this kindly keep listening you might enjoy it so basically from time to time the way my brain works is I read things, especially historic texts, um, information, religious texts, and I have this fun thing I do when I hello. I have this uh, fun thing I do where I I I don't know my brain creates storylines around these these texts, and for a while I've wanted to bring one of those to the podcast but i haven't been able to get it together so i have one and i hope you permit me to use it so this one is about what is my theory of course um what is happening in palestine and and at the moment is is absolutely devastating and brutal and fuck a ceasefire they should leave those people alone and help them out instead of destroying their their, their homes. Um, but I'm not going to get into the political thing today because I don't know that I'm, I'm not I'm not skilled enough to talk about it. What I am skilled enough to talk about is some imagination shit. This is the story of why I think Jewish people have suffered historically, from strictly from an imaginative point of view, free will, freedom of speech. I can say this i'm not trying to disrespect or offend anyone a lot of you believe in sky daddies and shit so let me use my imagination right i have a theory that the jewish people pissed off god and i don't mean modern day jewish people there's hardly any modern day jewish people original but i'm talking from the biblical point of view i have a theory that they pissed off god ages ago and since then, he, he hasn't been trying to get rid of them. But he hasn't been trying to... I don't know. Let me explain it like this because I don't want people to get offended. So I got into the Bible and the Torah. God made friends with Abraham, which is one of the earliest fathers of Judaism and Islam, depends on who you're asking. And he made a promise. He said, because me and you are such good friends, I will make you, your descendants like very great. I will make them a great nation. They will be the people of God and people, they will be feared, right? So I believe in that moment when God made that promise, he made that promise because he, he genuinely was like, oh yeah, I fuck with this Abraham dude. He's one of the only people on earth. That seems to get me. He's humble. 
I'm going to bless his people. Now, here's where it got tricky. Fast forward to the Jewish people under captivity in Egypt. And God is like, all right, well, I did make a promise to their ancestor. So I have to actually get them out here. So he sends Moses and Aaron and a few other people. Says, okay, challenge the Pharaoh. Try and get your people out of Egypt. You know, the whole let my people go and so on. And Egypt and Pharaoh are refusing to let them go. So you know the whole story of the Red Sea, when the sea parted. I'm not saying I believe these things. I'm just saying I'm telling a story because all these things are stories as well. And I have, you know, but... So the Egyptians refused to let the Jews go. No, they let them go eventually after Pharaoh has suffered a lot. Uh, because God keeps sending plagues and punishments because he's not listening. God is like, these are my people, bro. Like, come on. Like, these are my nephews what are we, and my nieces. What are you doing? Release them out. Destroy your land. So eventually, the Jews, through a lot of suffering, managed to escape from Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea where, you remember, Pharaoh's army is, is uh, drowned. And they get to the other side. Now... Moses is like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So we're out now. That took a long time. That was stressful. But fuck it, we're here now. Moses didn't say, fuck it, we're here now. But he might as well have, while tripping on mushrooms. So he's like, fuck it, we're here now. Uh, God wants me to give you guys a message. So this is God. He's like, oh, perfect. Okay, so my family members are here now. Cool, cool, cool. So we're going to have so much fun. I've gotten you out of Egypt. Um, now you're going to just follow me and my laws. You're going to help establish the laws of God, and we're just going to have the best time. Then they start worshipping idols. He's like, what the fuck is going on? This is not a plan. He starts getting angry. And I think, obviously, over time, the a lot of the Jewish people went back to God, reluctantly, according to the Bible. And they established laws based on the laws of God. But I believe that moment caused a rift in the relationship esoterically. And this is why I say that. If you notice in modern in Islam, old ancient and modern day Islam, the one main thing you dare not do, which Christianity did by having a trinity, is you dare not attribute anybody else to God. There's only one God, singular, no one else. By worshipping those idols for that period in the desert, it feels like the Jewish people in that period of time really pissed God off because he was like, oh, you guys are meant to be the perfect example. Now, fast forward to Jesus. Um, there's a Messiah. He's coming. He's going to be reincarnation of God. He's going to preach the word. He's going to be um, like the previous prophets have spoken of this Messiah. The Messiah is coming from the Jewish community, right? So the aim is God is like, all right, let's rebuild this relationship. We started off on the wrong foot. I still fuck with you, even though I'm a disappointed uncle. Let's rebuild this. I'm sending somebody over to help get your minds and your spirits right, because you guys ain't getting it right. 
that's why you're keeping on on, on the Roman occupation and so on and so forth. Jesus comes into the mix. The Jewish people are like, oh shit, Messiah is here actually. Yeah, we know him, he's here. Then Jesus starts saying, hey, by the way, I'm the son of God. And then they're like, nigga, what? What do you mean you're the son of God? We're the sons of God. Like, we're all sons of God. Jesus is like, yeah, I know. I'm the son of God, but I am like the son son. Like, proper son. Like, really, like, like spirit son. Like, there's a father, there's a son, and the Holy Ghost. I am one of the Trinity. You niggas are just earthly nephews and nieces. I am his actual blood. Well, there's no blood in. I don't know if there's blood in, in heaven, but I'm his actual son. This pisses off the Jewish elders because they're like, who is this arrogant prick who thinks he could just come here? And start all this. And the subsequent events, as most people who do or who study religious texts know, is not in order, of course, but they get pissed off. They say this guy's corrupting our youth, he's doing too much. Then, you know, he's like, Oh, you guys are once again not following the laws as it should be. You know, Jesus is going in there flogging market people, which, by the way, is still one of the funniest stories I've ever seen in the Bible. Jesus loses cool so much, you become an African parent, start whipping people into shape. But obviously, they didn't appreciate all that. He's doing signs and wonders. Who the fuck are you doing signs and wonders? So they conspire. They say, oh, he's doing something wrong, Pharaoh. I mean, um, we need to use the Roman powers that are there to demand for his arrest, his trial, and his execution. This is according to the text that billions of people follow, so don't don't hate me. I'm just talking. Now, this is the ultimate betrayal. So not only did you fuck with me back then, now I try to make peace and make amends, bring some new laws into your life. This is from God's point of view. Now you have... Um, you have now lied against my son, taken him into captivity, and demanded his death. And the Roman leader, Pilate, agrees. I won't make any parallels to today's period, but he agrees. So, Jesus is killed. The Muslims don't believe Jesus died. I believe that is like, now, this is part of my imagination. So please, the thoughts and views being expressed are the imagination of the author. Okay. I believe after Jesus is killed, God is so angry. He's mad. Because I will speak about this on an episode in the future. One of my beliefs is that God is not allowed to interfere. That God made a deal with the devil a long time ago. Um... And none of them are allowed to directly interfere with the affairs of the world. They are allowed to find sneaky, unique ways like loopholes to allow them to interfere or interact with the world. But they are not officially allowed to do so. So Jesus is a loophole because Jesus is born through a woman. Contrary to what they say in the Bible, I don't think he actually had those powers because that's against the loophole. Or maybe the loophole was closed after Jesus. But anyway, um, Jesus dies. Jesus even says, my Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? Because he knows, he knows that God is not allowed to interfere. So he knows. He knows that even if he had 
listened to the devil and jumped from the top of the mountain, he would have died. Come back to life, maybe, I don't know, but he would have probably died because God is not allowed to interfere except through messages and hope that the message is stronger than the will to be evil. Um, so after this happens, I think in the period of mourning, God goes and finds the Arabs who were also part of Abraham's family. But these are the ones who went their separate way. Uh, Muslims believe it's Esau, Prophet Esau, Isa, who was their own representative, one of Abraham's kids. So I might be wrong about that, but don't quote me. I'm doing some made-up shit right now. I'm trying to focus and entertain you. Right. So God, in a period of mourning, because obviously Jesus is a spirit, but Jesus did die on earth. He, he wants to look for a new group of people. He doesn't even care about the Christians. He's just like, oh, my son left some words. Good, cool. He's dead. I don't give a fuck about anything anymore. I'm upset. So his prophets still try their best to keep pushing the message. But if you notice, the Bible goes from a period where they're telling a lot of stories of great prophets to, oh, it's just the fire of the disciples now and then Armageddon. That end of times part of the Bible, I believe, is God in pain. Like he's in so much pain and anger because of what happened to his son and what's happening in the world overall that he's just like, yo, God, I'm going to destroy it all. Don't forget, God said, I will never destroy the world again with water. In Revelation, there's a lot of fire. Because once again, loopholes, there's a lot of fire. He's just like, no, I want to destroy, I want to kill all of them. Fuck them. And I'm very sorry for using language. Feel free to tune out. So many disclaimers. Bro, let me just tell my story. Right. He's raging. So you see the end of Revelation. He's just going crazy. Like, I'm going to burn it all. I'm going to send headless horsemen. I'm going to send everybody and their mama. They're going to destroy this shit. You're going to see winged chariots. Nigga, you ain't never seen nothing like this. He's upset. Then he discovers the Muslims. But the Muslims don't exist at the time. So he discovers Prophet Muhammad. Peace be upon him. Peace be upon all the prophets. And he sees in Muhammad somebody who would not take rubbish. Somebody who is humble. He's in the desert. He got a few things going for him. But he's like, if there's somebody who I believe has moral character in this time period. So please notice in the time period, even though this is made up, in this time period, this is the person who I think has character. He starts looking at the people of Muhammad and it's like, damn, these people are really misled at the moment. How come I never came here? Nobody ever came here? And he's asking his generals in heaven, nobody ever came to this side of the world? And they're like, oh, it's one of those sides we kind of left alone. I think, I'm not sure. It was part of our expansion mission, but it's too far away from Judea and all that, so we didn't really know what to do. So God is like, oh, okay. So he gives the word that is already in the Judaism and, and in the Christian Bible. He gives that word to Muhammad in the Muslim form. Like, he gives that word to Muhammad, but for his people. And because of, he feels betrayed 
by what has happened in the past with the people he trusted. And they've betrayed him twice or three times, maybe. He fortifies that book he gives Muhammad with a lot more anger, a lot more, like, guard up. So his guard is very up. He's like, yo, I gave some leeway with the Christians and look what they did to my son. So I need you to be ready for war. If anybody fucks with you, back to an eye for an eye. Fuck all that shit they said in the Bible. Okay, stop swearing because this is a good story. Remove all that stuff they said in the Bible about peas, um, turn the other cheek. No, an eye for an eye. If you find anybody coming to try and exterminate you, kill them, fight them. He's going hard. Because what do you do when you're a parent? You see a new set of kids and you're like, okay, I need to guide them right because I don't want what happened to my other children to happen to them. And in the process, there's a bit of sneaking in of anti-Semitic or not hate, but not love towards Jewish people and Christians. Because if you notice, it's like, oh, the Christians... Uh, they'll go hell anyway, ignore them. Just don't stress them, unless they stress you. And it's like, so Muhammad, not knowing any better, he's like, all right, fair enough. Uh, why do you hate these Jewish people? He's like, I'll explain to you another day. And it grows. Now, the problem is, God already made a promise. He already made a promise to the Jewish people by saying nothing whatever, I will never let them destroy you. You will always be great people. So every time the Jewish people are getting very great, he's like, nah, I ain't involved in that. They don't like me, I don't like them, but I'm not interfering with them. But he keeps noticing this resilience. Every time they try to destroy them, they're not they're being destroyed. And he's like, oh yeah, it's because of the promise I made. So in now, I'm going to make a silly parallel from my imaginative story. The Muslims and the Jewish people, they're both God's people. Christians too, of course. Everybody is God's people. Um, it was just in that period of time, in my imagination, um, God wanted more control because there was too much chaos. So in today's time where there's way more control and way less chaos, he's happy for people to just do their own thing. Because the main issue back then was stop raping your mothers and your children. Stop murdering villages of people. Stop doing dumb shit. In today's times, like, oh, you're shaking ass or you're fucking like you're having sex with 50, 100 people. Listen, man, I don't care. Do you think ASTD is your business? There's too many of you in the world to deal with. Now, if God is in, is the, 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 the if God is both made a promise that Jewish people will always thrive no matter what's thrown at them. And historically, you can see that no matter what has been thrown at them, they're resilient as hell, respect to them, to the point where they have some of the most powerful, influential people in the world today. That's the promise. Now, the problem is, God's favorite people are the Muslims. That's a conversation for another day in my imagination world. But God's favorite people are the Muslims. You might disagree, but that's fine. We can have an imaginative conversation. I say his favorite people are the Muslims because the Muslims are one of the few people in the world who just randomly strike oil or struck very beneficial situations. 
they have expanded significantly. And the religion, even though a lot changes in other religions, they have been able to maintain the maturity. A strong Muslim would tell you 100% is impossible. 100% is impossible. But they have been able to maintain a strong majority of what was initially given to them. And there's a little part in that Quran that I always think of when I'm playing these mind games with myself. God, the Quran, Muhammad says, uh, well, Angel Gabriel says to Muhammad that the Jewish people thought they had killed Christ, but they didn't because God wouldn't let them put his son to shame. Not his son, but he wouldn't let them put Christ, his, mess his messenger, to shame. So he rescued him in the last moment. That is all for dispute. I personally believe is God's way of saying, ha ha, you guys didn't get me, even though he secretly said, yeah, you got me. But he's trying to save face with the Arabs, like, eh, this is my new family. Oh, my old family didn't do that. No, they think they did. And um, if you'd like me to do more of these things where I just imagine scenarios from real life situations or texts or books, let me know. I can do this with anything, not just religion. I do this with hip hop, rap. There's so many beefs and storylines I've written in my head. So if you like this type of thing, let me know. I will always make it a portion of the episodes. Now, there's another... If you've made it this far, um, there's another thing I wanted to say. And I think it's important. It'll be three minutes. I got a message this morning. The message says... And not a literal message, just like a metaphor. And the metaphor said to me... Do not ever let another human being, under any circumstance, tell you not to go for an opportunity. Especially if that human being is benefiting from that opportunity. And this is why it came up. So, I was going to work this morning and I was at the bus stop. And the bus was full. So, I was like, okay, I'll get a different bus and then meet it somewhere. At some point, there was heavy traffic. Not doesn't usually happen. So, something clearly happened. And I got out of the, the bus I was on and I was like, okay, I need to get that bus in front of me. So I got to the bus store. I walked really fast. And the bus driver didn't open the door because it was full. Now, in my mind, I'm like, all right, cool. I will walk really fast and keep going ahead of that bus. Sorry, until they've dropped enough people to let me on. Cool. Now, I had to walk four stops all the way to Elephant and Castle just to get on that bus. I get to Elephant and Castle. After walking all this while, tired, put in the work, I get there, I get on the bus. Like, bare people obviously try and get on the bus. Now, you should know if you live in London, people hate shoving down the bus, so they always pretend there's no space because a lot of people are assholes. Um, so, I get on the bus, but me and, like, four other people are in front of the yellow line. And you know there's a rule that the driver shouldn't drive if they're behind the yellow line. Um, so everybody's kind of in a standoff because the driver is like, she's not going to move until we move back. And then this lady who go on at the exact same time as me looks at me and the other three people and says, why don't you guys just get off? The other three people turn around and go off. I looked at this woman. I looked at her like, the look I gave her was, why don't you get off? So I smiled and I just looked, I turned around. Now, eventually, some people at the back shuffled a bit. They moved back. I moved back a bit. I wasn't fully behind the yellow line, 
but I was still on the bus. And as we kept going stop to stop, I kept seeing so many people who clearly wanted to get on this bus, but the bus just kept driving past because at this point it was too full. People kept coming down. Nobody was coming down, rather. But eventually, traffic got better, and I could see where I was going to get off two stops away. And all I could think to myself was, so you're telling me this woman, if I had been weak and I had listened to this random woman tell me, if you get off the bus for my benefit, I can get to work faster, she would have been at work by now. And I would have been at that bus stop like everybody else watching the buses pass by because they're full. And this was the metaphor I got from it. That woman is competing with me for something to benefit her the way I'm coming. I want something to benefit me. She sees it fit to tell me and others, stop competing with me so that I can benefit while you lose. It might not be that deep to a lot of you, but I'm a metaphor person. So let me, let me, let me quote. She's telling me there's an opportunity that we both started to go for at the same time. But because I have put my foot further into the opportunity than you have, step back and leave it alone. This could be anything in your life. It could be a woman that you're trying to quote to get married to. And another man says, oh, I think she might like me more, so step step back. But you believe this is the girl of your dreams. This could be a job of opportunity where there's too much competition and somebody or a few people are trying to suggest just leave it alone. This could be a job where they're trying to force you out, but you know if you stay for a few more months, you get a promotion. This could be you wanting to move to a new house, a new location, a new country, This could be a multitude of things. You want to be a musician. And somebody is saying, oh, it's too saturated, but but they're doing music. You must always look at the people who tell you, while competing with you, don't compete. And ask them, why don't you not compete? Because when that person is able to go get that promotion, advance, use that, um, that vacancy that you left, to their advantage and do better. They're feeding themselves. Their families are feeding, are being fed. Their lives are being fed. They're growing. They're evolving to the next level. Well, while you trying to be all Mr. and Mrs. Nice Guy, you are starving. You are set back. You are saying, oh, if only I had tried harder, I wouldn't still be here. Don't let opportunities pass you by. And don't let anybody ever, ever tell you, leave that opportunity alone, especially if that person is also competing for it. Now, if the person is not competing at all and they're just giving advice, look at the advice, analyze it. If you think it applies, use it. If it doesn't apply, tell them thank you for your advice and keep it moving. But never let anybody stop you from your journey because it's your journey. If you fail... If you die tomorrow, that person will say, oh, shame, and keep walking forward in their journey. So how? To, why would you let go of yours for them? With this episode, I have been ruminating this episode for a while because I didn't want to talk about Israel-Palestine anymore. But I, I've been reading a lot recently, 
Um, I'm currently reading The Son of Hamas, which was recommended to me by um, um, Michael, Michael Kumara, shout out. And it's a pretty good book. But with that being said, uh, I hope everybody has a blessed week. And uh, yeah, if you enjoyed my imaginative story, please, please, please let me know. Um, I need some encouragement so that I can invest a bit more time into those stories. Um, I will always make it clear that they are not real because some people are very annoying. Now, once again, in no way, shape or form is those stories to antagonize. Or, you know what? Shut up. Have a good evening. Peace.